Good morning, Living Waters family. I'm Stephen Riley, lead pastor. Those, those online, Merry Christmas to you. Those are online there. And, uh, we welcome you. We are in a Christmas series looking at Jesus. He is uh, the, the mystery of Christmas. He's the miracle of Christmas, the marvel, and the majesty of Christmas. And I am glad to be as Christmassy as I can get. This shirt, I feel Christmassy in this shirt. This deep red kind of mauve thing. I mean, this isn't like my normal colors, you know. I feel very Christmassy. Next week, I plan on ramping it up. I'm going to wear a tie, a red tie. You know when I read it, wear a tie, it's a big deal. So that's my plan. So I know some of you guys wearing the tie is not a big deal. So so looking forward to that. Well, we all are launching new family ministry at Living Waters. It's We're on the move. I won't go into details because there's some details to work out. And But I want to, in the next week or two, give you some uh, update on the interviewing process of a new student minister. Uh, it is coming along. There's some progress, but I'll, I'm just going to wait a little bit longer. Uh, and, um, and, of course, be praying about that. You know how those things can... Uh, take a long time or they can take a shorter time, right? And we just are taking it one step at a time in the Lord's process. So keep praying there. I'm really looking forward to G-Link. G-Link is what we're terming connecting the generations through prayer. And uh, this is a, um, a, a going to be an important ministry that is going to be powerful in pushing back the darkness in our young people's lives. And in general, I, again, I'm, it, it, we're working it. There's some details and things to work out. Thank you. It, you know, it's a busy season, so we'll get it done and, and, and really get it launched in January. But if you notice in this logo, and, and it was after the fact of doing the logo, um, uh, Brianna Terrell, young lady in our church, produced this. I saw how this prayer is pushing back in the darkness that's attacking our young people. And that is really the purpose of uh, it. Just a simple thing. We're we're in sense connecting. I'm hoping for about 25 of you adults to say yes. I'm willing to pray uh, for a young person, sixth through twelfth graders. I want to get college age uh, young adults involved as well. Well, you would uh, contact them twice a month for just updated needs in their life, and and then you pray for them. It's not complicated. It's not time consuming. But it's important to consistently pray, and, uh, and that's what we're going to help you do and give you resources to do that well. So be open to the Lord and guiding you because we're looking for 25 adults to engage in that, like I said, starting uh, in January. This little kind of fun-for-me gatherings called You Are Strong uh, is something that is, is important to me. It's a, my, kind of my time with our young people. And... Um, I'm actually giving them some meat. All right, I'm not. I'm not doing a a little. Uh, uh, I don't know, kind of youth curriculum type thing that's trying to grab their attention. I just go straight for what they need. 
today's world for being a young man and young woman. And I'm using material that I've taught in, in men's ministries and family ministries for years. Uh, John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart for Men, uh, which became a um, bestseller, the first men's book as a best, uh, New York Times bestseller because men don't read. <laughs> and they read this one. And it became really a foundation for many successful men's ministries today. His wife and him wrote a book later on called Captivating, uh, entitled, uh, subtitled Unveiling the Mystery of a Woman's Soul. And again, uh, just became a classic in women's ministry where I, I see it over and over again where women's ministries uh, really jump and leap off of these pages. And so I'm doing a little, uh, you know, short encouragements on the essence of manhood, the essence of womanhood in this session today, and then we'll do another one in January, where uh, we need to give the scriptural and the godly understanding of the difference between a masculine heart and a feminine heart. God created us in his image, it says in Genesis 1, he created us in his image, in the image of God, he created them male and female. So he imparts into uh, that seed and that and conception and that born in, and brings into this masculine heart into boys and feminine heart into the, and the, and the baby girls. And that's in us from uh, conception and birth. And so these are things that I'm summarizing and trying to hit on uh, in these You Are Strong. So I'm asking the young people to be committed and be there and join me in these sessions. You know, doing some study and, and, uh, getting into the commentaries and scholars and so forth. And it looks like there's been a discovery of what really the first silent night, one of our favorite Christmas carols we sing, where that likely came from. And so it, it, they believe it came from this, an interaction with Joseph and Mary when they r- drove on, walked all those miles and days uh, to, uh, to Bethlehem. And finally uh, they came, the end was all closed up and full, and there's no more space. And, and, and Joseph said, don't be mad. I said I was sorry. I should have made reservations. Talk to me, Mary. Mary, Mary, I'm fine. And that's how Silent Night began. That's a lot of deep scholarship coming up with that one. I've... And it's, it is funny, it's true, because, and, and I, I did enjoy the chosen uh, holiday season uh, uh, movie. It was more of a musical with uh, Christmas music and a little bit of their drama unfolding here with Jesus' birth and Mary. And, and, and Mary is always the, the perfect young lady, pregnant. She doesn't, like, get mad. I mean... I don't know about you, but, you know, when I'm around women who are about to have, or my wife, when she's about ready to have babies, she wasn't, you know, she wasn't herself. You know, she just wasn't herself. And, um, and though I would try to help and be sincere, I could do nothing right. She's out of town picking up Jana in Tulsa so I can talk about this as much as I want to. But Mary's always this sweet, you know, oh, no problem. There's no room in the end. God will provide. Oh, I'm, I'm having contractions. My water's broke. Oh, but listen, God, no problem. Just, you know, listen, you think she got mad? You think she got a little mad? I think this is right. I think that is right. That's where the first 
All right, Stephen, Stephen, that's enough. Please get to your message, please. Sunday, it's Jesus the miracle, and we're going to start off looking at the miracle of the virgin birth. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, that your word is true and real, and we do ask that you make it more real. That you make it more real today. And Lord, that these stories of Christmas are not just sentimental, but Lord, they're filled with truths and to empower us to follow you faithfully all the days of our life. Amen. So in the book of Matthew, uh, when it goes into the birth of Jesus, it's really Joseph's perspective. It uh, records him being visited in his dreams by an angel, giving him instruction, and, and he needed that instruction or he would have totally missed the boat. Uh, but in Luke, you, we get details of what happened to Mary, and that's where we're going to start off in Luke chapter 1. And in this chapter, we find that Mary is visited by the angel Gabriel. And that uh, in this encounter, uh, Gabriel starts speaking to her. And in verse 28, the angel says this. And coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have not found, for you, excuse me, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. At verse 32 it says, And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. Verse 34, Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for that reason, the holy child shall be called the Son of God. We'll stop there for a moment. So this immaculate conception, this pregnancy that came not from a man, but from the Holy Spirit, it says, for that reason, this holy child shall be called the Son of Man. Because he will look like a baby, he will grow up as a boy, he will become a man, he'll be called the Son of Man, he will live a human life, and yet there is this distinction That's never happened before or since. He will be the holy child and therefore he shall be called the son of God. So this is what sets Jesus apart. This miracle from heaven that Mary, of course, was privileged and also honored to experience. Let's go to verse 36. And behold, even your Elizabeth, your relative Elizabeth has also conceived a son in her old age, and she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. For nothing will be impossible with God. So, 
he did clarify, yeah, this is a miracle. This is impossible. But even your cousin, Elizabeth, who is never could have children and was uh, deemed barren and couldn't have children, she's now, her and her husband both are too old to have children. Even she, she's also has conceived and is in the sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And so her response in verse 38 is this. And Mary said, Behold, the bond slave of the Lord, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. So she chose to believe a miracle. And this miracle was that God chose to leave heaven and come to earth and become a human. To actually be in a womb of a young woman, to be birthed, to be a baby and need some kind of diapers, whatever they had back in those ancient days. and Be taken care of by mom and dad. And I'm... Glad the conversation wasn't really long between Gabriel and Mary. Things like, well, you know, this is so unusual that no one will believe you, Mary. <laughs> no one's going to really believe that you, this is the Son of God and that you just were unfaithful and to your fiancé that you're engaged to. And so there's going to be accusations. There's going to be talk about you being punished and and maybe... You know, Joseph will have to work this out too, and and you you'll be even uh, considered unfaithful and an unholy young woman, perhaps for many years, if not the rest of your life. And your little boy will be looked down upon as a a child of sin. And but you know, as as with every child, I destined every child, and I'm the one who destined your child and you're calling him Jesus. So the ramifications for Mary were enormous, and they didn't talk about that. He didn't talk about how hard it would be and that later on there's going to be an attack on this little baby boy's life, and you have to escape and leave your family and move to Egypt and be there for a while and then finally come back. And I mean, he didn't give her the details, right? Aren't you glad he didn't always give you the details? But he gives you a choice to say yes. And Mary is known for incredible obedience. And God saw her heart growing up and her discipleship and her ability to be a close follower of God. He didn't go into, oh, yeah, and your husband's going to die along the way somewhere. And so you'll be a single mom raising a bunch of kids. And Jesus, your oldest, who normally takes care of everything when the husband passes is going to die at age 33 and you'll get to watch him torment be tormented to the point of death and and he didn't get into that this was a miracle birth we mentioned the miracle for elizabeth there was a lot of angelic visitations to make all this happen joseph had a a couple of visitations at this time. He had more to, to lead the family into safety out of uh, Bethlehem to Egypt and then back out of Egypt, back to 
uh, uh, Nazareth after that, and and it was a supernatural event. It couldn't have happened without angels showing up. And then the the the, the shepherds came, and uh, because of angels speaking to them, and they worshipped and confirmed to mom and dad, "Okay, this is all real. This is the real thing." And wise men traveled from countries far away to give and provide for their traveling that they would need when they go to Egypt. And they had all these gifts of gold, uh, frankincense, and myrrh. So all these things were miracles to make this big miracle work. And don't we need that? We need miracles in our lives. And it's okay to ask for them. It's okay to expect them. God wants us, these stories are given in these details to encourage us, pray for miracles. God can do miracles. In fact, you'll need some to get through those times of suffering, right? We'll need the Lord to show up in our spirits, in our hearts, in our minds to provide, to come through, to get us through the suffering, or deliver us out of the suffering. We're going to need miracles over and over again. You know, it's interesting that when the angels are talking to Joseph, they say, go get the child and his mother and go to Egypt or go to Nazareth. He didn't say, this is, go get your son, Joseph. Now, other people called, oh, that's just the carpenter's son. He's just a normal, average guy. It's just the carpenter's son, Joseph's son. But the angels referred to him as the child and his mother. So the angels didn't let him claim him as his own son, even though you know Joseph cared for him as his own son and was chosen because of his good stewardship over Mary and Jesus and the other children they had later after that. And so God is identified, the Father identifies Jesus as the Son of God. One of the amazing scriptures in Matthew, uh, when an angel's talking to Joseph, is Matthew 1, verse 22 and 23. Now, all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. This is the Isaiah prophecy that says he will... There will be this child born of a virgin, and he will be called Emmanuel. God incarnate, God who's been transformed from, uh, from heaven into human flesh. I want to get us into this miracle from last week of the incarnation. Do a couple of... Uh, references to last Sunday and get it in some new scriptures that we go deeper into what God's purpose is in baptism. Because baptism is not just, oh, it's something you do, you get wet, uh, it's sometime after you have prayed the prayer of salvation and, 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 and you get that kind of checked off. And you No, know, there is a deep spiritual even Theologians, it's if you read the Bible, you're a theologian. Theological meaning to baptism. And I want to get into that because it connects to work as a man on earth 
and what it does for us. So we notice that in Scripture there is a spiritual journey that we all take, and, and Peter preached his first sermon, and this is when they said, what do we do, Peter, to be saved? And he said, well, we'll repent for salvation and be baptized in water and then receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And that gift is for you and for your refreshing and for many generations to come. It's the infilling and the overflowing of the Holy Spirit. And so again, I appeal to you, if you haven't been water baptized since you gave your heart to Christ, I I open the door to you. We're going to do it again in January. We want to help with that. So you just say yes to this spiritual journey that God lays out for us. And so water baptism is, baptism is an act of obedience to God's word. But there is a spiritual journey that Christ is on on the earth. And many places in scripture it refers to him being humbled. Like in Philippians chapter 2, he's humbled like a man and he persevered through that that humanity, and and then God exalted him because of his obedience through death and resurrection. But let's just look at these couple short verses right here. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. This is Christ's journey he had to take as a man. Verse 10 says, That I may know, Paul is speaking, and this is his prayer, that I may know him, Christ, and the power of his resurrection. And the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. You see, right there, we often say, yes, Lord, you defeated sin. You defeated death through your resurrection. I want your resurrection power in my life. Get me there. Well, he's telling us how to get there. I'll read verse 10 again. Paul is saying that I may know him and the power of his resurrection And then I wish it stopped there. But it goes, and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed into his death in order, verse 11, that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. That's what our ultimate goal is, our ultimate heart to be. Attain the resurrection power in our life and that when we die, we've been faithful and we'll be resurrected into heaven and later our bodies resurrected and joined with us be restored. And yet there is this and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. So Christ's humanity, his journey included suffering. It had to for it to be a true human experience. He could have chosen, I'm the son of God, I have all power, I'm not going to suffer any. Just the way it's going to be, hey, I'm God, it's the way it's going to happen. No, it was designed, it was God's plan, their plan, the Trinity plan when he was released from heaven and onto earth, that suffering would be part of his human experience. And then even to his death. It wasn't his sin that killed him. It wasn't him doing something wrong. Uh, it was our sin because the wages, the results of sin is death. But he had to have a full experience of human life to be the right and once for all sacrifice. So he actually took on our sin and died for us. But he experienced death. So much so when he hung on the cross, he cried out to his father in an emotional but very genuine, oh my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Perhaps that was the moment we'll get to ask him in heaven to break down some of these details. Was that the moment? 
that my Stephen Riley sin came on you? Was that it? And you were punished for my sin? Is, is that what it was? And you felt this, this God being your father separating from you or being unfaithful? Is that what it felt like? Is that what it was? He was faithful through that and to be the perfect sacrifice. He chose that. He wanted to be obedient to the, and therefore we want to be obedient, not only in fellowshipping, actually joining in to sufferings with Christ, but being conformed to his death, obedient to death. And in those times, the resurrection power of God increases in our lives. Sometimes we actually feel the closest to Jesus when we're in suffering. And we feel the God who's familiar, the Bible says in Isaiah, he's Jesus who was familiar with suffering and, and acquainted with grief. And you sense him with you when you're grieving and with you with your suffering. And there's an intimacy that's like, gosh, that's, that's, that's so close. Thank you. You're here. You're here with me, Jesus. You're, you're not far. You're here. So I want to go and, and get into a teaching here in a few moments out of Romans chapter 6. This teaching, you're going to have to really focus. You're going to have to really uh, uh, look carefully at these scriptures. But these are powerful scriptures that give us what is this eternal power and, and purpose and sign of baptism, the work of baptism. Well, it's, 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 his, it's his work on the earth. It's part of his work. The purpose of baptism is this. The immersion into Christ is being joined together with Christ and his spiritual journey. See, we often just stop there and think baptism means being immersed, and it does, but it's being immersed into something. It's being immersed uh, with something, joining with something. So immersion, baptism is the immersion into Christ, is being joined together with Christ and his spiritual journey. Next slide. By faith, we be united into his spiritual journey so that we can have newness of life and consider ourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So baptism means I'm identifying with Christ and his life. He was a baby. He lived a a boyish life and played games. But then at some point, he had to obey uh, God through suffering, and he actually was water baptized. So I'm going to follow that path. That's his journey. That's his path. I'm going to do it too. I'm going to be water baptized. And then he was faithful through suffering. Even to the point of death, he stayed faithful, and I, and I am too. He pays away for us. He had to come to earth. This miracle of the virgin birth had to happen. He had to get down here to give us this open path. These, this teaching in Romans 6 is one of the few that came together for me. After being a believer, I'm going to say around 15 years, I was so weighed down with discouragement that I couldn't grow on in my spiritual walk, that I was just going in circles and not getting anywhere, that I just kept repeating the same sins, and I had a heaviness on me, and I was in youth ministry at the time and, and digging deeper with God, where, where, where does What's, what's going to happen here? I, I can't live like this for another 15, 20 years. God, you've got to do something in me. And these next verses are a part of it. I felt like it was blocked. I had a blockage, and I couldn't get through it. It, it blocked me, and, 
and, and freedom. And it's like the, a jungle scene that it's so thick and heavy, you can't walk through it. You can't get through it. Somebody's going to have to hack their way through this thing to even get anywhere. It's just surrounded from all directions and entanglement and discouragement and heaviness. I can't get through this, Lord, help me. Remember what the angel said, that nothing is impossible with God. So what I had built up in my mind is discouragement. It's an impossibility. I can't grow. I can't go on, God. But the angel keeps saying, nothing is impossible with God. So let's start looking at this Romans chapter 6. studied these several chapters together, Romans 6, 7, is probably has, is like mine as well, chapter 8 has more victorious scriptures than any one chapter put together. So you, if you have three of your favorite scriptures, are probably in Romans chapter 8, okay? But to get to those Victoria place, you get through it from Romans 6 and 7. And so Romans 6 here is a key teaching from the word of God to put you in a different brand new place in being free from sin and having God's faith and hope of moving forward. So let's start reading in Romans 6 verse 11. And this is uh, kind of a concluding sentence and I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to build, go back to verse 3, but Romans 6 11 says this, even so consider yourselves, Stephen and Gary, And Angela, and buddy, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. I love that. Consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to... Have faith. Trust in this truth. Believe me. Consider yourself to be dead to sin, but alive to God. That's where this Romans 6 passage takes us. It launches you in a new level of faith. So let's flip back up to verse 3. We're going to look at one verse at a time here. Romans 6 verse 3 says, Or do you not know that all of us have been baptized into Christ Jesus, have been baptized into his death? So this baptism is a a joining, it's a combining into not just Christ, but it's into his death. He was faithful to the point of death. His death defeated sin. And our death of the old man, Stephen, of the old person, defeats sin as well. Verse 4 of Romans 6. Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. Yes, Lord, I want newness in life. I want to walk down that path. There's a journey you have for me, and it's walking behind your steps and your path. And so we get to be baptized with Christ. We get to be, uh, we want to fellowship in his sufferings. We are buried with him, it says, just just like we were there uh, 2,000 years ago. We were buried in that tomb, and, and, then, and then we are baptized with Christ. That's, 
We get to walk in newness of life. It's like a man hacking through the jungle. This dark jungle that's so thick you can't take a step. But Jesus said, I'll go do the work first. I'll go ahead of you as a man, son of God and son of man. I will go first. I will hack the journey, the path through this bondages of discouragement and sin and defeat and darkness. It's my work on the earth. I had to come down and do it on the earth. I had to have this miracle of the virgin birth. I had to get down here and walk your walk so I could hack through the jungle. Verse 5 says of Romans 6, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Certainly, Paul said, it doesn't stop at the cross. But the victory I had being buried, dying on the cross and being buried in the ground, you also get to receive certainly his resurrection as well. And so now God is, opens up the jungle and he has an invitation to us. You can live free of sin. You can be free of defeat in this image here of a, of, of a jungle that has a pathway through it. And you go, yes, well, I, I can do that. I can get through that jungle. Because someone's gone before, and it's Jesus Christ, Son of Man, Son of God, has gone before us. He wants to break discouragement over you. He wants to break despair, hopelessness, and whatever area that's weighing you down. He wants to give you uh, faith that, yes, you can receive from him all that he's worked for you. He's worked hard for this. Do you realize that you don't have to earn your salvation? You have to earn your holiness. Do you realize that God has given it to you because he's gone first and paid the price? He sweat drops of blood. He went faithful through the suffering and death. Yes, life does have suffering in it. We have that, and for some reason we grow through it. I wish we didn't have it, but somehow he shows up many ways and helps us to get through it. I want to read another couple verses of this chapter, Romans 6, verse 6 and 7. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, in order that our body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. So this is that first part of a water baptism. That our old self, the old Stephen, the old, uh, the old Bob, the old Leanne, uh, actually gets to go down into the water like a grave. Going down it means that you get to let the old person die. And you can stand on faith and say, my sin nature doesn't rule me anymore. It's dead. It's been crucified. Where? With Christ. You don't have to go do a cro- get on a cross and do what Jesus did. He's done it for you. You're joined with him. Baptism means being identified, being joined with him. It, it's a miracle. It's a miracle. That's good too to be true. That's 
Yeah, I know it's a miracle and we get to step into this and walk into this. No, I, I, Stephen, you don't know all of I've been through and you don't know my past and my past is much worse. Listen, I know it's a miracle. This, just like the angel said, he said, nothing is impossible with God. You're, your background and your life, it, it's not, oh, it's impossible with God because it's too bad. No, it's not. This season is a celebration of miracles. All the miracles that happened at the birth of Jesus. Well, here's another miracle. You've been baptized with Christ. You're identified with him. You've been united into his, into his uh, being crucified with him. So that old sin nature, that old person does not have to reign at all. It's, it's something that you can walk and take up your cross daily and defeat that old man. Because it is God's will for us not to, to no longer be slaves to sin. Verse 7, for he who has died is freed from sin. And that's what the second part of the water baptism is coming out of the water. I'm freed from sin. I have resurrection power because certainly if I've been baptized with Christ into his burial and his, his death and his, then I'm certainly I am in his likeness of his resurrection as well. Some of King James Version, New King James Version of Romans 6 and 11, uh, 6, chapter 6, verse 11 says, reckon yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. That King James was written in 1611, I think, in England, and they didn't know that reckon is a good Kentucky country word. I reckon! I reckon, folks, I am dead to sin. That's, you know, the Greek. You just say it with the twang and the Greek comes out. Consider yourselves already. Have faith. Trust in God. That you are dead to sin. It's not you will be dead to sin someday. You are now because Christ's works already happened. You step into it by faith. Faith is a miracle. Faith joins us with Christ in his baptism. I like this music. Can we just do this tomorrow? I just y'all y'all stay patient. I have a little quick little story to tell. This is so powerful in so many ways, little ways and big ways. Tom and Audrey Neely. When I came here in 1988, one of the first guest speakers we had, like the first month I was here, was Tom and Audrey Neely. He was already in the 70s teaching out of the word. He's like 6'5". His wife, Audrey, is like 5'2 or something. 5, probably even. Cutest couple. Godly is all get out. My goodness. And we connected with them in our youth ministry. Ended up doing a handful of retreats in their home in Black Mountain, North Carolina for a number of years. Just a quick story. Can I just tell a little story to give you a feel of who he is. In the 70s, he did most of the cooking. 
And he'd have 30 people in this house. He built it like three different apartments. It's kind of almost like a cabin in the woods. Had a big garden in the backyard. It was all garden. Everything was fresh. Everything that he cooked was fresh. And he would have these apartments so that missionary couples and families could stay and kind of be sectioned off and live there and have a place to stay. And, he, and we had youth retreats there for, I don't know, four or five years straight. Who was there remember the time we had praise and worship? We ran out on the screen, dim ports outside and ran through. We couldn't help anybody was there. Woo, you remember that? Awesome. Praise and worship couldn't stop. But he was a Bible teacher. And he wrote several booklets. And one of them was on Romans 6. And I dug into that, this passage at that time. And he says, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a simple thing. It's something that really I need often. He said, sometimes when I get tired and I'm here having to, you know, a house full of guests and we're ministering and teaching and serving all day long and I'll just go on the front porch, on the screen porch with no one around and I'll just kind of lay down on the sofa there. And he says, I'm baptized into Christ. I join him. In his life of being crucified with Christ. I joined Christ in being buried with him. And my old man dying. And sin being ended. The bondage of sin being ended. And I, I'm also raised with him. I'm raised with him. And I have newness of life. And he would just meditate on that. And, and, and kind of drink in on that truth. And. He said, in about 10 minutes, I get up and I go on for the rest of the day. The newness, the freshness, and energy that comes from the Lord. Why don't we stand? I'd like for us to close in worship and prayer here. We can close in laughter too. That's good. Lord Jesus, thank you for the miracle of the virgin birth. Thank you that you chose to come to us and pursue us. Thank you, Jesus, that you lived a human life like mine. So you would pave the way through that jungle of impossibility that that blocked path where I couldn't get through it in my own strength. I couldn't earn it. I couldn't work hard enough. I couldn't be determined enough. I've got to release all that and just say, I trust you. I believe in your word that this is real for me, that I'm the old is gone. The new has come. I can step into being free from sin and free to serve you, love you, worship you, to follow you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. You're so worthy to be worshipped. We're so grateful today. Lord, I pray for discouragement to be broken off right now in Jesus' name. I pray you you turn it over to God. I don't want discouragement just weighing me down every day. Despair and hopelessness. I can't do it. I can't make it. I can't get anywhere. I'm a loser. I can't live for Christ. You can because he already walked for you. You join with him to stay in step with him. 
you're baptized into Christ, you are united with him into his likeness, into his death and his resurrection. Be broken, hopelessness, despair, discouragement, defeat. You have no place among us in Jesus' name. We receive, Lord, your resurrection power, your victory, your freedom. Lord, thank you, Lord God. We don't have to earn it or work for it. You don't want us to try to do it. We can't make it ourselves. Lord God, we receive that power of the Holy Spirit to empower us and lead us. Lord, it's your power, not our power. Lord God, thank you that you lift our countenance up to you, to look to you, to have hope, to have uh, encouragement, to step on, to lead on, to go on. Lord God, we refuse, Lord God, to go back to that old way of the enemy tricking us, saying you can't do it, you failed again. It's no way, no, those are lies of the enemy. I believe God, I believe his work on the earth. The incarnate God came to earth to live my human life, to, to get a path of victory for us. Hallelujah. Lord, we receive it by faith. Let's just worship him. Let's let this sink in. You are free, folks. You're free from the bondage of sin. Hallelujah. discouraging thought that this thought of despair the thought of it's not going to work it's not going to happen i'm going to fail again you say oh. the angel said nothing is impossible with god i defeat you lie you deception get off of me i am free this is christmas time and then it's new year's and then i'm going in 2020 with the sense of god's victory over my life hallelujah father If anyone online or with us right now does not have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, you're going, I want that, Stephen. I want that. What you're talking, how do I get started? Oh, it's, it's simple, but it's deep. It's simply you turn from your ways of living. The evil that's in your life, the sin that is in your life, and you turn, you turn to God. Say, I don't want that anymore, God. I want you. Let's pray right now. If anyone, the sound of my voice today or online later this week or some other time does not have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you say this prayer from the bottom of your heart, then you will step into that new relationship with God. 
If everyone could join me in it to encourage those around us to repeat after me. Dear Jesus, I do want you in my heart and life. I turn away from the sins and evil around me. I turn away from my sin. And I turn to you. I want you. I ask you to come into my heart and reign there. And be Lord of my life today and forever. I believe you really did die on the cross for me. And I join myself with you. To receive your resurrection power as well. Cleanse me of my sin. And all of us, I pray, Lord, set us free from the bondage of sin. We are free, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. We believe your word. There is a phone line on uh, the screen for those who want more prayer. I'm going to ask our altar ministry teams to please come forward to be available for prayer for anything going on in your life. And this prayer call is available for anything. We want to be a people of prayer. Have a great Christmas time with friends and family. Remember you're free because Jesus walked that path first, plowed and hacked away for you. Have a great week. Can't wait to see you again soon. Love you.